0: I'm a in here on my little pony to tell you about a new album from them idiots at Williams Street Records. It's called Death Clock. It comes in regular and in super. And you morons, you better go get it because if you don't,
1: I'll get you. Blow your brains out with the devil's music. back to Owls Only, the Adult Swim podcast. I'm your host, Bryce Hope, and can you pass that Prozac shaker? I'm with a very special guest today. It's my friend, Rissy. Hello. So we are talking about Metalocalypse Season 1, and I could not do this episode without you, because you're like the biggest Metalocalypse fan I know.
0: Thank you. I'm honored. I'm honored.
1: <laughs> um, But this show is also not just about the shows that we do. It's also about like everyone's collective experience with Adult Swim. And so you had a very fun Adult Swim story recently, didn't you?
0: Yes, I did. I met Mr. Dana Snyder himself, and I also met Andy Merrill.
1: Oh, hell yeah. I, like, meeting Dana Snyder is already cool enough, and then you also throw Andy Merrill in there, and I love it. It's so good.
0: Yeah, no, they were amazing. Um, should I just tell my story now? Yeah, you
1: can just jump right into it.
0: All right. So basically, I had... Um, I went to Animate Columbus, which is a convention that happened, I think, like, June 9th through 11th, mm-hmm. and um, I was super, super nervous to go meet Dana because he's, like, one of my favorite people of all time. I think a lot of people who watch Adult Swim could say that. Yeah. Um. Uh, so I was supposed to go with my friend, and she was puking all morning, so I had to go alone. Mm-hmm. And, like, I'm already a super nervous person when I, like, go in public and stuff. And, like, I paced around that convention center for maybe, like, 30 minutes just trying to hype myself up to go say hi. <laughs>
1: that was that was me at New York Comic Con. Like, yeah. It,
0: it's so nerve-wracking. Mm-hmm. But I just kind of kept repeating to myself, like, I'm so brave. I'm so brave. I'm like, I will regret it if I don't go and say hi. Mm-hmm. So I went up to Andy's table first because I thought that was a whole lot more manageable. Yeah. Um, and I had tweeted at him the night before I was like, I had made him an Oglethorpe, uh, parlor bead charm. And I I had tweeted (laughs) the great, but I had tweeted a picture of it to him and he replied and he's like, can't wait to see you tomorrow. And I walk up to him and I'm like, Hey, I have your gift that I showed you on Twitter. And he's like, I remember seeing this. And he asked me my name and I was like, Rissy. And he said, Rissy. Yeah, that's right. Like he looked at my Twitter and he like knew who I was and like remembered my name and all that. And I was uh-huh. like, oh my god, that's so sweet. <laughs> um so sweet. He's such a sweet person. I love it. Um and he asked me to pick out a photo to sign and um he started signing it uh to, to me and I asked him how much I owe him and he just put a finger up to his lips and he just said, Shh, like it's a free autograph. Aww. So yeah. I I saw his sign and the autographs were $40 and he just gave it to me for free because he liked his gift so much. I don't know, but I just, I thought was such a nice interaction. He's such a nice person. He was, he had like a ukulele with him and Mm -hmm. he was just playing it at his table, like the entire time. Yeah. A whole bunch of songs and stuff.
1: (laughs) Was he doing like the Brack voice?
0: Um, he had a Brack puppet with him.
1: Yeah. He, I've seen him do a lot of videos with the Brack puppet, because, like, he'll, he can just, like, because Brack's character is just him just, like, riffing, so we can just, like, break into it at any point.
0: That's amazing. I, yeah. I have, like, never seen the Brack show. I don't know that much about Brack. Mm-hmm. Sorry, everybody who just had, like, a pain in their heart when I said that. <laughs> but, uh... Yeah, he's really, really cool. I really definitely want to start checking out Brack's show because of him, because he's such a great person.
1: Brack um, is either loved or hated. I think a lot of people either love Brack or they just, like, hate him and are glad that he's just buried, but yeah.
0: <laughs> I've seen a few clips. It's really funny. Yeah, but,
1: Brack's cute. I love Brack.
0: Yeah. Um. So Dana Sanders' table was right next to him, so mm-hmm. I went ahead and hopped in line over there, and, like, it was maybe, like, 1 p.m., like, 1.10 when I hopped in there, and, like, I, t- I took photos with Dana, and the timestamps in those photos were 2.38 p.m.,
1: and mm. there was maybe,
0: like, six people in front of me. Yeah. So, like, Dana Sander really takes the time to, like, talk to everybody in his line and really gets to know you. Yeah. And, like, that's always such a green flag with, like, celebrities and actors and stuff because, like, it's so much more of a meaningful experience rather than just sign the picture and go. For sure. And it's always really, really refreshing to see stuff like that.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, So so um it's so sorry <laughs> um it, it was my birthday weekend sort mm-hmm. of so like my birthday weekend was like two weekends before that but like I had a whole bunch of stuff happening and I couldn't celebrate it with my mom yeah. and like anybody really and it was really sad for me so this con was like my birthday celebration and I was yep. wearing a birthday crown that said it's my birthday oh um themed with the colors of frylock. my entire outfit was aqua teen themed actually <laughs> love that um and so the the his handler i i i feel like i know handler is like the proper term for like the but it makes me makes it sound like he's like a zoo animal (laughs) handler Handler. (laughs) the zoo animal yeah but (laughs) um his handler told him that it was my birthday and he gasped like super loudly and started singing happy birthday immediately so loudly that like Artists from like a at the opposite end of the convention hall told me later that they could hear it happening.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like, this man was, he, I mean, like, he's known to screen, he's really good at projecting, but this man yeah. was projecting his happy birthday song.
1: <laughs> I can't and imagine, I, I can't imagine getting the birthday song sung to you by Dana Snyder. That's, that's such an experience.
0: It really was. I just kind of stood there with like a big smile on my face, just like trying not to like freak out.
1: <laughs> uh-huh.
0: Um, so. The first thing that he asked me is that I, so I, while I was pacing around the convention center, trying to get like, trying to like get over my nerves. um, And I had a bunch of artists give me like free things because it was my birthday and like everybody there was so, so nice. But one of the pins I got says autism queen, because um I am autistic and, uh. I was wearing it on my lanyard and it's like mm-hmm. the first thing that he asked me about he's like what does that say and i said oh it says autism queen because i'm autistic and i got this from one of the artists here and he said oh that's cool that's cool so Dana snyder approves of autism Thank <laughs> you, <sir. laughs> um but so the next thing he asked me is he's like let me see the whole outfit because like i am covered in head to toe and just aqua teen things
1: mm-hmm.
0: um and he's like can i take a photo of you and i'm like of course Oh my God, how could I say no? Mm-hmm. And he takes the photo of me, and it kind of feels like how a dad takes a photo of his kid. Cause I yeah. was just kind of posing there, and he's kind of like taking his time to like focus it. And uh-huh. he t- <laughs> it was just really, really funny. And like, I see him kind of open like a text chat on his phone, and I'm like, what is he doing? And he then tells me, I just sent this picture to Dave Willis, Matt Malario. Is that how you say his name, Matt?
1: I think it's Malero. It's Malero,
0: really yeah. I, malaria, like I
1: yeah. It it's really hard.
0: <laughs> um, but like the whole whole Aquatine crew and I just like I I was like oh my god because like this picture of me just got sent to like this the whole entire Aquatine crew taken mm-hmm. by Dana Snyder like a picture of me is on Dana Snyder's phone right now. Yeah. Fucking mind blowing.
1: That is insane.
0: Yeah. He he later showed me like text messages from them. And I remember that Matt said like, Wow, like cool. I really like the pink one or purple one. Whatever uh-huh. the color of Ur is. He said he likes Ur because you know he's Ur. Yeah. <laughs> um But he he asked me my name, he starts signing uh the picture. Um he, he had asked me my name, I said Rissy, and like a common mispronunciation is Reese. Mm-hmm. um but he pronounced it like risi the entire time after and like that's fine because i feel like that makes sense with the way that dana center like sounds yeah he just fits because like risi doesn't fit like
1: <laughs> yeah it, it it flows more naturally with dana's voice
0: yes exactly um so and then i mentioned to him that like my birthday crown is like frylock themed because he's my favorite aqua teen. Sorry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and he said oh man you're almost perfect and i was like you think i'm perfect oh my god <laughs> <laughs> so and then he had a picture of al on his table and mm-hmm. so i started mentioning i mentioned i'm like hey like alchemist was like the first uh character from like the first character that i knew you asked i watched venture before i watched Aquatine, mm-hmm. and we talked about the movie trailer a little bit um and I mentioned that like Al's is- isn't in it. And I asked him if Al will be there. And he promised me, he promises me that Al is in there. And that he has three lines. <laughs> very important. <laughs> <laughs> he um he said that like when he was reading the script, mm-hmm. uh, the very last page of the Venture Bros movie script made him cry and he doesn't really ever cry over scripts that he's given. And like that terrifies me because I'm like
1: so- I'm so scared
0: i'm so scared i know i'm gonna ball my eyes out
1: Uh (laughs) Um, that's like like an actual reason why because i'm assuming it's gonna drop at midnight on july 21st i'm not having friends over to watch that with me when it first drops because i need to watch it first so i can just like i can feel everything i'm gonna feel the first time you know
0: right yeah that's kind of how i feel about it too i kind of want like my first watch by myself but like i will be on vacation with friends so i uh-huh. have to watch them with them but they're also venture fans so we're all gonna be like holding each other like as we cry i'm yeah certain
1: <laughs> oh i'm so excited it's gonna be so good
0: <laughs> um so he he writes on the picture like master shake loves you and he writes hearts all over it and then mm-hmm. he writes for Alex stinks <laughs> um Classic and then uh so we go take our picture and he says give me your hand sweetheart and like he so I give him my hand and I this sounds like weird I don't want this to sound weird I promise I'm not trying to sound weird but he held my hand in like the most gentle like soft way possible Mm. and like it was just so nice that man just radiates kindness
1: (laughs) yeah I love that
0: Despite him playing like all of these asshole characters, he's like one of the nicest people I think I've ever met.
1: <laughs> I love that. That's so awesome. Yeah. Like it's uh, so awesome to hear that he's just like that nice in person. Like I always oh, love hearing things like that.
0: He's amazing. Like I can't say like good enough things about him. Yeah. So like we take our photo and he like screams in the middle of it. Like he mm-hmm. just like jump scare me and he's like, hope I didn't scare you there. <laughs> <laughs> It's so funny. Oh my um, god! So then I hand him my gift that I made him, which is like I made him perler charms of like mm-hmm. the main three aqua teens, and then uh ignignot and ur. Mm-hmm. And he puts uh the shake one, and he puts the moon knights on display on his table. So like the rest of the cons saw like all of Aww. that because he was like liked them so much.
1: Oh. Uh-huh.
0: Um, and then like I made him candy as well, like of. A- each like with each character like five candy five pearlers um and he take he took the fry like candy out of the bag and he's like oh okay back in the bag where he belongs and he put him (laughs) back in the bag
1: (laughs) oh my god
0: oh um and then I kind of just go on my merry way Mm -hmm. and then like I kind of have to like go sit down and like calm down from that experience because I was just so Oh my god, that was like yeah, so sure. magical. He's such a nice person. I've I've know I've said that like ten times at this point, but he really is.
1: Yeah. That is, yeah, that is almost kind of like when we met, like, when Alex and I met Bill Oakley and Josh Weinstein, because it was just such, like, they were so nice. They loved, um, because we had a bootleg VHS tape of Mission Hill with, like, all the music added back in, and they thought it was the coolest shit in the world, and they, like, they were, like, super excited to sign it, because, like, um everyone got one item, so I had them sign my, um season eight simpsons dvd and alex had them sign like his um sign our like vhs and he they loved it so much it's it's such a fun experience meeting like people who make shows that you love and they're actually like really really nice you know
0: yeah for sure it's like i always i kind of get scared whenever i meet people because i'm like what if they're assholes but i don't i don't think i've ever had like a bad experience yeah this is like with like adult swim people too it's like i feel like a lot of them are very down to earth and nice and it's just really nice that's a sure. nice thing to see
1: that's why I like um adult swim stuff because I feel like it's significantly less I mean obviously the bigger shows are more like kind of like Hollywoodish, but it's like it, it's so like down to earth and so much of adult swim especially early adult swim really does feel like it's being made in like your backyard you know
0: right yeah it's like a very like homey feel like it's a very yes. yeah like you said down to earth
1: Especially for me, because I live in like Virginia, and so Virginia is. like I mean, Virginia and, and Atlanta are still like pretty far apart, but it's still that kind of like that part, that like upper east part of the South. You know, mm-hmm. it yeah. Feel, like it hits so close to home for me. All a lot of the aesthetic of like the early adult swim stuff.
0: Oh, well, for sure.
1: I just love it. I love it so much. That's why I do this podcast. <laughs> um, I have,
0: I have one more thing to mention. I forgot to mention. Um Andy Merrill had sang me a birthday song on his ukulele. Oh. That's very sweet.
1: <laughs> I love that. I love Andy Merrill. I I want to get him on this show to do the Brack show when I forever do that. Yes. Oh my god. I feel like I feel like he might do it. I feel like he might do the Brack show because he just loves Brack so much. He does. But, um so we are talking about like I said we're talking about Metalocalypse season 1. So what is your experience with Metalocalypse? Like, how did you get into this show? Like, how how did your, like, love of it develop over time? That kind of stuff.
0: So I first got into it in maybe October of 2020. Like, late October 2020. I was going through some very stressful things at the time. Mm -hmm. And I had a friend who kept showing me all of this stuff from Metalocalypse because she was watching it at the time. Yeah. And... She just kept talking about it, and I'm like, Fine, I guess I'll give it a try. And I ended up falling like deeply in love with it from like then on out. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I, from like for like the entirety of November 2020, was just like my entire life was just metalocalypse, yeah. Um, and then it kind of just became like a back burner show for me where like, Oh, yeah, I still like that, but I don't like it like that crazy, like I didn't have like a crazy love for it, yeah. And then I, I had a I had a friend that I was talking to about it in like November of 2022, mm-hmm. and like I think like November like first, like literally like the first day of November. It's so like almost mm-hmm. like two years after yeah. I had first watched it. Mm-hmm. Um, we were talking about it, and I was like, "Man, I kind of missed the show. I kind of want to rewatch it." And yeah. then I rewatched it, and then it literally consumed my life. Yeah, and like. <laughs> I have been so deeply hyper fixated on it like, since then. Like mm-hmm. it's it's one of my passions
1: in life. <laughs> How is um so you actually kinda you got on the you got on the metal occlip train at the exact right time, like October 2020, because like six months later is when they um announced the movies coming out. Yeah. I yeah. was so sure for so long, I was like, Oh yeah, there's never gonna be any more metal Like I was so unbelievable, like There, it was just, um, I reference this all the time on this podcast, but, like, that Futurama scene of Leela going, like, um, this is by a wide margin the least likely thing that has ever happened. Like, that's how I feel with, like, the Metalocalypse movie, because I was so sure it was done, like, forever. Even earlier in 2020, they had a bump, like, during the summer, making fun of Metalocalypse fans for wanting more. Because, um, that was when the fucking, um... Zack Snyder Justice League came out and it also a bump saying like um, Zack Snyder Justice League proves that if you annoy corporations enough you'll get what you want and then it shows um a picture of Nathan looking sad and it's like sometimes
0: <laughs> oh my god I didn't even know about that oh my god
1: <laughs> oh my god there is this dude in the summer of 2020 um, he's like this man is like Death Clock's strongest soldier he was in the replies because like The, because the whole thing with the show is that obviously it gets canceled and the, um, it becomes like a huge thing with the fans. But this guy. Mm -hmm as late as like summer 2020 it was in the replies of every single adult swim post, every single, tw- tw- like every single tweet, just like saying they need to um, cancel whatever they're promoting and put on Metalocalypse instead. His profile picture was Charles Oftenson with like the, um, without <laughs> the glasses. And he had like the wispy hair in that one episode, like they could see through fear or something like he was, he was truly, I think his name was like death clock CFO. So like he was truly death <laughs> Clock's strongest soldier. Um, that
0: is so funny. I I resonate with him. I get him.
1: <laughs> but um, so I got into the show because like 2013, I was getting into just like all kinds of Adult Swim shows. Like my favorite was Aqua Teen. I was really getting into Venture Brothers at this time, and um. That Christmas, Christmas 2013, my mom bought me just like a shitload of DVDs. Like, I feel like that is one of the big moments that kickstarts like my massive DVD collection. And one of the things she's buy- she buys me is called Adult Swim in a Box. And it's like a gift set. And it's a gift set that the old, there's a DVD of pilots on it that it's only available through that like Adult Swim in a Box set. So the pilot TV is kind of rare. So it's that, it's the only new thing in it. And besides it, there's, um, Space Ghost Volume 3, Sea Lab Volume 2, Moral Oral Volume 1, Robot Chicken Season 2, and Metalocalypse Season 1. So, like, I'm just watching all this stuff, because I'm like, Adult Swim in a Box, these are all the- Oh, Aqua Teen Volume is in there, too. So I'm like, um, Adult Swim in a Box, these are all these Adult Swim shows, I'm gonna put all these into my brain. And so I watched all of Metalocalypse, um, I pretty much watched the rest of it immediately after that, um- (laughs) I loved it. It was a great show, but I do think that this show was not a huge hit with younger me. And I think it is because of like the gore and how truly dark this show is. Oh, Um, for sure. Yeah. Like, I think that even though it means like Aqua Teen and Venture Brothers, which are like my two biggest ones at the time, they're not really like that different. But I do think this one didn't hit quite as different for me as the other two for a while. But then I really started getting into the Doomstar Requiem and I started listening to that soundtrack. And I, I feel like it might be my favorite album, like ever, the Doomstar Requiem.
0: That's a um, very, very valid good take, yes. I could... <laughs>
1: I could recite that whole thing like front to back like like yeah if I was in a road trip with somebody and I could I could sing them like the entire Doomstar Requiem like it is (laughs) like it is so encoded into my fucking brain um but yeah I love Doomstar I think it's one of the I think it's one of the best things the network has ever made um it's just it's so good like it's there's truly nothing else like it on the network that's true there's nothing else like this show too because this show obviously I mean for listening to this you know what it is but um so it's kind of about it's such a ridiculous premise too I feel like this has like one of the most ridiculous like premises of an Adult Swim show and that's a network known for ridiculous premises but they take it so completely seriously that like you fully believe it because um the premise obviously is anyone who w- listening to this will know is that um. It's about like a metal band that's like the seventh largest economic power in the world, and they control like the force of like culture in the world, and they control like you know like they basically c- they control the world, but they're also just like the biggest fucking idiots.
0: Yes. Um, so, and- Brent, uh, c- sorry, sorry, I want to tune in here. Um, Brendan actually pitched the show. Is like, imagine if the Kardashians were a metal band. And oh, I so love so true. <laughs>
1: well, there's another one. Isn't he one of the other like pitch lines? Was like, if a band was like a hundred times bigger than the Beatles,
0: yes, I think so,
1: like something like that. But, um, so it is kind of like, I do what one thing I do really love about this show is that, um, they really hit a good mix of the band is like stupid. But they're the number one band in the world for a reason and they're really good at what they do. And I really like that because I feel like it'd be so easy to make to make it be like, oh no, they just like, they just suck. Like they just suck at their music, but they don't. They're really, really good. And they're really competent at music. It's just, the, it's just that's the only thing they're competent at. Yeah. So um, like
0: e- so each, you know, each episode always has a song in it. And that's something that Brendan Small actually really tried to like strive for is he tried to write an episode, like a song, an episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and like all of the songs that you hear throughout the series is the demo versions of the songs because you oh, know really? they have like, yeah, so they have like, you know, Death Album One through Three, mm-hmm. and like they'll have like the studio, like, polished versions on those albums, but in the show, it's always going to be the demo version of it.
1: Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of noticed in this season that the band is, I correct me if I'm wrong, I feel like the band is a lot stupider here than they will be later on. Like, yes um especially the first episode when they don't know what a grocery store is and then yes it's like, like they they I feel like they know what a grocery store is like in later episodes you know yeah um although I do love that sequence like the grocery store sequence I think that's like that's such a good because I feel like the show starts a little like not abrasive but it just starts like you don't really understand it yet until you get to the grocery store scene, and I think that first grocery store scene is like, oh, you get it. Like that's that's where the show clicks for me. I think when when I first watched the show is like the grocery store scene. Um, there's something I think about all the time in that scene when they're like going. It's like squisgar and Toki are going down the aisle, and like I think squisgar just puts like pads in Toki's like. <laughs> this <artist laughs> is calling him like a girl, and then Toki just goes um you lady, Squisgar, and he immediately just goes, no, I not." and he has, like, changed <laughs> The cut is so fucking funny. I think about it, like, I feel like I think about that at least like once a day. This like, the cut of that, like, when it, just like, he does it so quickly and so loudly, and he just immediately cut to, like, the next scene. Like, that entire scene with them in the grocery stores is edited so fucking well. It's so funny. Like, you immediately get everything about, like, booze ain't food. Like, oh, you get everything about the show in that one scene. Yeah.
0: Even each are, scene, like, a
1: bit stupider.
0: Each scene, um, that like each character focus, like each character, you know, in the grocery store, it's really defining for like each of them, and you kind of mm-hmm. you do get a, like a taste of like what each of them are like, even though like, like you said, they're really stupider here, and they aren't like as developed like as they do later on.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, because you know it's season one, um, but even like in this, like you said, the grocery scene, really defining of everybody. Um, that, that scene with Toki and Squisgar is kind of, like, that's, like, basically their entire relationship is just summarizing that little scene right there.
1: <laughs> yeah. Because, um, we get a lot of that this season, too, because, like, of Squisgar just, like, taunting Toki and stuff like yeah. that. But I do love, uh, I'm bringing up the Doomstore Requiem a lot because it's, like, my number one thing I associate <laughs> with this show. But I do love that Squisgar is the one that brought Toki into the band. Like, yes, I for that. sure. Because I love that, um, even though they do, like even though they do kind of, like, mess each other a lot, I do love that there is that, like, there is that real sense of they do actually like each other, mm-hmm. even though, like, they're assholes to each other all the time. Like, um the Murder Face episode, because I feel like um any other show, a lot of Adult Swim shows would just be like, oh, yeah, they get him nothing, and that's the joke. But no, they did get him, like, the JFK car with, like, the... um Yeah. Seat in it. I do like that they actually like each other. And they actually, um, and they actually do, like, like I said, they're, they're, like, they don't hate each other. I feel like it would be much easier to make a show where they just, like, hate each other all the time. But no, like, they're friends. They like each other. I love that.
0: That's something that Brendan tried to really incorporate into his show. Mm-hmm. Um, he really likes the, like, humanity of, like, cartoons and, like, how these characters can feel very human and have very, like, human relationships with each other. You, mm-hmm. you see that a lot in home movies. Yes. Um, but, yeah, he said that he really tried to make it, like, these these guys aren't just, like, stupid, they hate each other, and it's just blah, 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 whatever. Like, they do care about each other, and they do have, like, a very intertwined, codependent relationship with one another. Mm-hmm. And you, it really does show. They do care about each other.
1: This, this show is also, um, I feel like when you first watch it, it feels like it's such a huge tonal departure from home movies. But it's really not. Because yeah. – I feel like both this show and home movies, they're very conversational. Like a lot of the shows are just characters like sitting, a lot of the shows are both of them are just like Brendan himself is like talking And also both shows are at their core about creativity. It's just like in home movies, it's about like, um, like Brendan making his movies and this show, it's about like the band making their music and like the stuff that surrounds those two things are obviously vastly different. Like home movies is just kind of like a Bob's Burgers type show. And then metalocalypse is huge, insane epic with all this, like, you know, death and destruction and like fate of the like world and stuff. Mm -hmm. And, but I do think that, like, those two core elements of just, like, oh, yeah, it's very conversational and it's about creativity. I feel like those elements in both those shows are the same. And I feel like once you understand that, it does not feel like a huge tunnel departure at all. Like, it does feel like a, a like a good evolution from one show to the other.
0: Yeah. And like you said, it's just, like, Brendan, like, talking to himself. It really is because Brendan voices Nathan, Squisgar, and Pickles.
1: <laughs> he, um... Am I making this up, or does he vo- also um, voice like Murderface and Toki in the Doomstar Requiem? In the Doomstar
0: Re- Requiem, yes, because uh, Tommy Blaka—I think that's how you say that—Blaka, uh-huh. uh, he's the voice of Toki and Murderface normally. Yeah. but he, I believe he was too busy to be in Doomstar. Uh huh. Um, so he's unfortunately not involved with that project. Yeah. Uh. So, Brent... So. Brendan does the singing voice for Murder Face. He doesn't sing all that often because, you know, it's yeah. it's not Tommy. Uh but Toki's Toki's actually Toki's singing voice cuz Toki doesn't ever speak in that movie. Mm-hmm. Um his singing voice is done by uh Mike Keneally, which oh. is their uh like their tour uh, when they when Death Clock tours, I believe he's like their guitarist or something. Oh, okay. So yeah, he's he's like in the Death Clock touring group when they do like real life tours.
1: Yeah. I never knew that. I always thought, oh, that's just Brendan doing it. But no, that is that is insanely interesting. I never knew that. Yeah. But so yeah, like Brendan voices. Oh, Brendan also voices um, um Charles Oftenson, the yes. sort of like manager. And he, I feel like he's he's definitely my favorite character. I love Charles. Um, I feel like they I kind of noticed this season, like this rewatch, he really doesn't do that much in season one because in like he's there and he's like obviously doing the stuff that he normally does but i feel like in seasons like two three and four he's like way more um he's like way more prominent to the point that like i know the season three finale is like basically the entire episode is the band acting really sad when charles like yells at them like they're just like his yeah act- by the end of season three they're just like his kids and in this one he is kind of more like their butler or like there's certain like He's like their manager here, and almost kind of like a butler type thing, where they're like kind of assholes to him. But by the end of season three, they're like Charles yelled at me, like they're like sad about <laughs> it, you know?
0: Yeah, he kind of like slowly becomes like a father figure to them, and he kind of is like their dad. Yeah, he, he kind of just like calls all the shots.
1: Um, um I'm uh, go ahead.
0: Oh, I was I was just gonna say that like I think one of the reasons why he became so much more of like a prominent to them is. Sorry, spoilers for Metal Eclipse season two.
1: It doesn't matter. It, it, no one's listening to this has not seen okay. Metal Eclipse.
0: <laughs> okay. Um, you know, Charles dies. Yeah. Dies, quote unquote. And then he comes back. And I think that really opens up to like, the boys really open up to him and they like, become a lot more attached to him because they felt like what it feels like to like, lose him.
1: Yeah. I love that. I love that entire um like death scene of Charles, um I think because like I was still because wa- back then I would literally put on like any Adult Swim DVD and watch all of it. I watched like three seasons of Robot Chicken, and you know what I mean. Like I would mm-hmm. just watch anything, and so I was watching Metalocalypse. I wasn't really, but well, it's also this like fourteen year old me, so like it doesn't matter what my taste is. Oh, uh, I wasn't like. I wasn't really feeling it, but I remember that scene especially when Charles dies. I'm like, "Oh, I like that's when it." I really like. I love this show. Like that scene is so crazy. Also, so Zoom does time limits, so I'm gonna end this meeting and restart. Okay,
0: it. okay, right.
1: okay. We're back. Um, because I'm doing this through Zoom because this podcast is held together by duct tape, but <laughs> um. So, yeah, I remember, like, that scene especially, like, really hit hard for me. Because I was like, oh, wait, I love Charles. Um, there's a lot of theories that Charles might die in the movie. I hope not, because I love him. Um, so,
0: I, I there's, I, I do, I've had that theory about Charles dying. But, um, so, Brendan... Um, released Galacticon one and two as like solo al- solo albums, like solo projects.
1: Oh, I can talk about Galacticon.
0: <laughs> um, but Galacticon two, he said to think of it like it's a death. It's like death album four. Yeah. And uh, in that album, Murderface like dies or something. Like it's like weirdly implied that Murderface dies in that album story. So I have a deep, like I, I have a deep fear that Murderface is gonna die in this movie.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that um I know exactly what you're talking about it's the song Exodus on I think it's like cuz I have a there's a playlist on Spotify that's just oh it's in in vinyl order which is like the the metalocalypse order essentially mm-hmm. um I this is insane cuz I'll just drive around and I like I'll like visualize the movie in my head while I like drive around like listening to this like song I'll oh, listen to this the whole album. But um Exodus to me is like they dr- it seems like they drown Murderface to get like um Salacia out of him, but then they like he comes back to life and then the band is like fully like together and ready to fuck up um Salacia. Like the first six songs are really clear, and the last couple ones are more vague to me. Mm-hmm. But um yeah, I fucking love Galacticon 2. I figure I don't listen. I haven't listened to it quite as much since as I listened to Doomstar, but like those first six tracks on Galacticon two, like um that whole plot, like the whole murderface possession plot that's in those first six tracks, I listen to it all the time. It's such, it's so fucking good. Like, I, it's unbelievable how good like Brendan is at this fucking at like at all this. It's so good.
0: He's a but, metahuman, man, I swear.
1: <laughs> he really is. Like. I'm also, something I've really noticed about um, Brendan is that, like, he's really not made any, he hasn't made any TV since Metalocalypse ended. Like, I feel like a lot of other creators would have just, like, okay, this is over, I'll make a new show. But he's so, like, I feel like, I I wonder if, like, after he finishes, like, this movie, if he's gonna, like, move on to a new thing, you know?
0: Yeah, I think he just moved on to making music, which, like, yeah, that's fine. It's his what he's really good at.
1: Yeah. (laughs) I think he's obviously he's great at making cartoons but I do think that like I feel like I get the gist that music is really like his passion and I do yeah I can definitely um, see him just doing like music after this but um, oh yeah also pretty decent chance that that movie is coming out like almost exactly a month after the Venture Brothers movie which is insane like oh
0: my god i'm not i am not mentally prepared for like the (laughs) back-to-back
1: like that is going to be fucking crazy i can't believe that's actually happening um i really do hope that it's happening because i hope that it does come out like um i would love if it came out in august because i just want these movies now like i want to i want to hold like the Bob's Burgers movie, Aquatine Forever Plantasm, like the Venture Brothers movie and the Metalocalypse movie. I want to hold all four of them in my hands at the same time and be like, yes, like my new Adult Swim movies, like I want them on my shelf so <laughs> bad. Um, so you wrote down like a list of your like favorite episodes of the season, right? Yes. Do you want to go through that and kind of talk about like, well, because you're i i've watched this show but i have i don't know this show back to front like i do like aqua or like venture brothers i've only i feel like i feel like i've probably binge watched it maybe like five ish times over the course of the past like 10 years so you definitely know this show like back to front better than i do so i want to i want to hear what your opinions are and, like the best episodes of this season
0: so um so i'm gonna highlight the pilot because it's the pilot of
1: course um
0: there is, because the pilot, it just has a, such a unique feel to it compared to, like, the rest of the series.
1: It definitely. Um
0: does. Like, Toki's voice isn't quite Toki's voice yet. And he mm-hmm. doesn't really become, like, Toki's voice doesn't become, like, a thing until, like, maybe at the end of season one. Like, it takes, like, a long time for Tommy to, like, really nail that voice. Yeah. And then also, another fun fact about Tommy... Uh, he used to. He has to put paper in his mouth when he first did Murderface's voice to get like that lispy. I effect. can hear it. Yeah. Yeah, and like that, it makes me feel so grossed out because like my sensory issues like hate that the thought of like paper in my mouth is awful. Oh my
1: god. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, but like you said, the grocery store scene is just like one of the really defining things about it, and uh, their their chef John Pierre dies in that episode, and then he becomes like this like zombie person like by the end of it and he's kind of like a reoccurring like background character
1: yeah he's there like the rest of the show he's there
0: yeah it's like a really nice neat fun little thing
1: Uh uh-huh
0: um so another episode I wanted to talk about was episode three which is happy death day Mm -hmm. um it's the first episode that really got me hooked I remember like the feeling of watching it for the first time being like okay this is a show I can get behind
1: yeah
0: (laughs) um like the song birthday Death Day." from that episode like really just like hooked me in i'm a huge metal fan myself Mm -hmm. and i i just vividly remember like listening to it on repeat (laughs) yeah i really really like that song yeah um and that's also the introduction of roxo which is like a really really popular fan favorite character yeah
1: that's one of the big things from the show I, i like really stuck with me is dr roxo
0: yeah, I always compare him to like Tally from South Park. Like he kind of just has like that own like his own fans. Like he's really popular. Oh, yeah, co- yeah. Um, he's a rock and roll crown clown. He does cocaine. He does yes, yes, yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, okay, and then another. I that's all I pretty much have to say about that one. Yeah. Uh Death Troll episode four. Um, I if it's this episode's impact on its fandom is crazy because like awaken is from this episode and awaken is their most popular song
1: it has like it has
0: like yeah it has like 39 million streams on spotify or something holy shit um and i'm pretty sure like it was like i don't know how true this is but i think i read this somewhere but it was like the first like adult swim song to like chart number one on like iTunes or something. Oh,
1: for sure. I totally, yeah. For sure. I, I don't
0: I, don't quote me on that, but I'm pretty sure that's true.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Um but it's like it's the introduction of like Awaken, it's the introduction of like the death phones that are so iconic throughout the series. Oh, yeah. Um I I see fans of the show reference Mustercrackus, which is like the troll. I see them reference that all the time. It's just this episode really has like rip on death clock fans like casual or not
1: yeah for sure
0: um oh and then the next one I wanted to talk about was death fam which is episode six Mm -hmm. um it's where we get to meet all their families and we do see their families appear of quite a few times throughout the series yeah um I feel like once again with like that uh grocery scene like being defining of each person um how you see their parents act and like interact with their sons like also define them as a person
1: (laughs) Mm -hmm. i've one thing i noticed about that episode is that nathan's dad seems like way more like pissed off at him and i feel like because one of the most iconic bits in this show to me it's like a tiktok sound now yeah is is, oh you're all without fathers right i'm not fucking love my dad it cuts to them like like fucking go-karting do, do, do,
0: do, do, do. yeah yeah I,
1: it's <laughs> such an iconic bit it's, I think it's so funny I, but um I've noticed that like they don't they haven't figured that part qu- out quite yet and so he is like in that montage and I'm just like screaming at the end yeah but, um yeah
0: yeah definitely because like her, their names are Rose and Oscar explosion um but, yeah that. like yeah they're um they're just a very very loving to Nathan and then you know Pickles parents are very like hard on him and his Seth, his brother Seth is very annoying and also hard on him. <laughs> Another
1: bit that sticks in my head from the show a lot because I they have the twenty four seven Metalocalypse stream on the Adult Swim app mm-hmm. and I'll just put it on sometimes and I feel like every single time I put it on it's the episode from season four where Pickles like quits the band to make his mom happy and just like the soundbite of Charles being like. Pickles, show your mother to go. Uh, fuck herself. It's like in my <laughs> head all the time. Like it's I think so like, funny. <laughs> it's one of my favorite bits from the show. Yeah, go go
0: ahead. I, no, I was just saying. Like that's I. I know like the episode where it becomes like a realtor. Yes. Oh my god, it's so funny. So good. <laughs> um, but like Servetta, which is Scar's mom. You know, mm-hmm. she's like Miss Sweet and she's very promiscuous, like her son. Mm-hmm. Um, still murder Thunderbolt Murderface. Murderface's grandparents. Mm-hmm. Um, I do want to drop the the little fun fact here that uh in an AMA that Brandon did once, uh he vaguely inferred that Murderface's grandpa is a Native American. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> that that fact really sticks to me because he just it's just never elaborated upon. I yeah. just have the AMA to quote that from.
1: <laughs> like he just he just like dropped that. That's I feel like that's super interesting because that shows how like a creator's mind works, where, like, that's part... Because, like, Brent... That's probably part of Murderface's character to Brendan, but, like, we don't... Nobody would know that except for him. And he's like, drops that, you know? Right,
0: yeah. Because there's actually another... You saying that is very true because there's another thing that he said in the AMA that, like, Toki's mattress that, like, in, like, the Morthouse is mm-hmm. made from the same stuffing from, like, childhood stuffed animals he had when he was a child. Huh. And, like, that always like blows my mind.
1: (laughs) That's yeah, because like Becky thinks about that is super interesting.
0: Yeah. He cares a lot about these characters. Yeah. Um, I was actually another thing I want to say is uh when he's when he's writing like the guitar parts and like bass parts and like all of this for the death albums, um he thinks like how would Squish write this? How would Toki write this? How would Murderface write this? He tries to think in how they would write it. So it seems way more real. Yeah. And like personal to like their character. For sure. And like that's that just means like the world to me that like at least he cares about them as much as I do.
1: <laughs> yeah. No, I love that. Um what other episodes are on here? Um A dog just came down. Hi Gus.
0: <laughs> uh so there's Snakes and Barrels, which is episode seven. Um, yeah. which is the introduction of Pickle's old hair band when he first like got his start in music. Mm-hmm. Um it really iconic snakes and barrels pickles is like really really popular in the fandom i see a lot of people draw him i see a lot of people cosplay him
1: oh yeah for sure like that's a huge cosplay thing is um snakes and barrels pickles
0: oh it's such a glorious design i love it (laughs) um and then i guess i'll also talk about uh blues clock from the season Mm -hmm. which is episode 14 because a lot of people don't like this one i've seen on like different like reddit threads and all this stuff of like what's your least favorite episode a lot of people say blues clock really yeah i i'm like indifferent to the episode i think it's okay it's not like one of my favorites i don't really hate it either yeah um yeah that's all i really want to say about that one
1: well i noticed in blues clock um the guy who teaches them like blues he's the same voice that brendan does for swifty in um the Venture brothers
0: yeah, yeah, it is.
1: Yeah, which I noticed this time that is that it's like <laughs> it's literally just the Swifty voice.
0: <laughs> and then there's also Girlfriend Clock, which is my favorite episode of season one, episode 18.
1: I love Girlfriend Clock. Great. Girlfriend app. Clock
0: is amazing. Nathan going on his little date with his mm. girlfriend and it changes him. And it's just so funny the way that like the guys react to it so Uh funny
1: (laughs) i always confuse that with um there's another episode where he gets a girlfriend and the band is just like annoyingly nice to her right
0: yeah it's called clock block that's actually my favorite episode
1: (laughs) i i remember that so much because i just remember like i might watch that after we do this i might watch that episode because i just remember the bit like the bits from that like of them just being so aggressively nice to her i remember just so fucking funny
0: yeah, because they're all jealous of Nathan getting like this attention and then they're like, but we want attention too. We want to get in on the fun. And it's... they're all just being like so friendly to all the ladies he brings back home. And they it's keep such... like stealing Nathan's girlfriends. <laughs> it's
1: such a good it's such a good episode. Um that's that's one of the half hour ones, right? That's in season three.
0: That isn't two. It's only eleven. Minutes. Oh really? Mm-hmm.
1: I feel I could have sworn that was one of the um one of like the half hour ones.
0: I wish it was. We deserve to know, have right? like a 22 minute version of it.
1: <laughs> um, But yeah, so another thing. So is that like all the episodes?
0: Um, There's something I wanted to mention earlier. That I'm going to mention this now while I have the chance to. So you said like Brendan is like really passionate about music. That's his passion. Yeah. And it really shows because um, so all of the like hand animation, well, like Squizcar's playing the guitar, Toki's playing the guitar, bass, all that kind of stuff. Um, it's actually Brendan records himself playing the actual instrument Mm -hmm. and the animation is correct. Like how they're playing it is how you would actually play in real life.
1: They do that um, on 12 ounce mouse. There's like a scene where the little chinchilla guy um, does like a drum solo for like four minutes. And um, so it's actually two drum solos stitched together, which is why he's playing it with like, both his hands, like little cans, and he's also got a drumstick, like that he's like operating with his tail. and they match it up perfectly to how it would actually look. It's the same thing they do in Apocalypse. they do that in twelve ounce Mouse a lot, which I think is really like interesting. Um, it's
0: it's always like really, really nice to see something like that, put so much care into like making your your music on TV, like, look like it's accurate.
1: <laughs> this show is also a huge part of something that I love about Adult Swim, which is that they really do care about, like, the show, uh, this show's one of the many shows that has great music on Adult Swim. because oh, yes. I think that, like, um... oh, also, do you know about um, the show's origins of Perfect Hair Forever? Because that's, like, a super obscure thing. No, I don't. So, Perfect Hair Forever is, like, an anime parody made by, like, the William Street guys, like, the Teen guys and everything. And the fourth episode, second er or, I think it's the second second episode, um, they, because this, Perfect Hair is one of those shows that does a different opening each episode. uh, Adult Swim Hallmark, they do with a lot of their shows. And, um, the second episode of Perfect Hair Forever is, like, the opening is something called, like, Beware the Wolf. And it's just, like, this really stupid, like, bullshit. But they have Brendan... Like he makes this whole song and it sounds like a it sounds like a cross between like something Duane would play on um home movies and like a death clock song.
0: Oh, interesting. And I gotta gotta check this out.
1: And so it's just like beware the wolf, but apparently they like the Williams the William Street guys like that. Um it's my dog here, this is Gus. Um the William Street guys liked that so much that they wanted to make a show and that's how Metalocalypse like got started.
0: Oh, I, d- I actually did not know that.
1: It's like, it's probably just a nerd for dumb Perfect Hair Forever shit, even though the show is, like, done better in Game of Seru, But, um, so that's, like, a huge, so that's, like, like, Perfect Hair Forever has different openings. They have, they have, like, MF Doom all over that show. Like, Venture Brothers obviously has, like, the best soundtrack in TV history. This show has all its metal, like, you have the, like, amazing songs on, like, the Fooly Cooly and Cowboy Bebop soundtracks. Um, like all the Aqua Teen guys and 12 Ounce Mouse guys are super into like guitar. Like mm-hmm. um, some of, the, some of the commentaries on the Aqua Teen DVDs are just the guys playing like their guitar and not talking. I um, love that. <laughs> there's a story actually told on, a, on another podcast um, about 12 Ounce Mouse where during the production, Matt Malero would have like his electric guitar and during meetings like to approve like props and stuff, he would not say yes or no. He would just do like a positive guitar solo, or like a negative guitar solo.
0: <laughs> that is incredible. I love that.
1: <laughs> which is fucking insane. But um, yeah, I had a lot of the same favorite episodes you did. I love Girlfriend Clock. Um, I love the one with I love the one that really gets deep into rock. So, which one is that? Like when he actually starts hanging out with Toki It's Called and
0: stuff. Death Clown, I think.
1: Yeah, that one's really good. I love um, I love Murder Face going. Hey, that's my driving gun. I think that's the fun like one of the <laughs> lines. Um. I also, I love Girlfriend Clock so much. I also think it's a great episode. Um, I do, I think it's kind of like about that episode is that, like, you kind of know people that are, like, in relationships like that. Yeah, you know? oh, for sure. Like, it's like a, ge- like, it's like a genuinely kind of common thing, which is really funny. Yeah. Um, I also love, especially
0: The scene where they're all, like, torturing Nathan to get him to get out of their relationship uh-huh. It's so funny.
1: <laughs> I love when he's like, it's not like regular hate. It's so much more black. Like, he just hates her <laughs> so much. Um, I also love in that episode that all the council members are like, I volunteer to go to the American Pornography Awards. Like
0: <laughs> I volunteer. <laughs> it's
1: so funny because, like, they all do it. Like, they all do it. And, it, like, they don't point it out as, like, a joke. But, like, because, like, it's not – said in the cadence of like a joke and there's it's not like timed like a joke it's just like you have to pick up on it and it's so fucking funny um something i also go ahead
0: speaking of the council um there is like there's a fun fact i want to say about it um so you know how mark hamill is the voice of the guy who always introduced like the professional of the episode yeah and how like the professionals are always like this like key smash like You can't understand like what name is this type
1: thing. Yeah.
0: Brendan, Brendan, like literally just runs his hands across the keyboard when he's making those names because Uh he thinks it's really funny to try to make Mark Hamill say these ridiculous, like unpronounceable names.
1: (laughs) Yeah, to try to get Mark to try to get Mark Hamill to just like say all this nonsense. Yeah. (laughs) Um, so something I also wanted to talk about with um girlfriend clock is that like because the at the end of Doomsday Requiem, obviously, Nathan and Abigail get together. Mm-hmm. And then um, the synopsis for the movie says that, like, I'm reading a synopsis right now, because, like, there is there's an old synopsis and a new synopsis, similar with, like, the Venture Brothers movie. Um, but this one says, after the heroic rescue of Toki War II, the Death Clock frontman Nathan Explosion finds himself traumatized in a brutal, professional, and romantic flat spin, all while he is tasked fulfilling the prophecy and confronting the ultimate songwriting challenge to save the planet. So this is really interesting to me because I feel like um Nathan's relationship with Abigail would have been like a footnote in the movie just based on like Galacticon 2 and stuff. I feel like a, I feel like initially would have been more about like Murderface's possession and like the end of the world and stuff, but I'm really interested to see like the fact that um abigail's relationship with nathan and like how that works is going to be like a big part of this movie because i was obviously like abigail is much more of a character than rebecca is in girlfriend clock but i feel like um they might do a little bit like not the same as girlfriend clock but they might tread some similar ground to this and like the one with like the um with, like the band being overly nice to nathan's girlfriends in season two like i feel like they might tread some of this ground again in the movie in like a different way
0: oh for sure I I wonder. I wonder if that means like Abigail's gonna like do something
1: evil. I don't think so. I feel like I feel like Abigail is mostly trustworthy. That's true. I like Abigail. I think she's I
0: I also think she's great. I what, I wish. You, oh, go ahead. I was just saying. I I kind of wish that she was like more than just like a romantic interest.
1: I was just I feel about like, to say.
0: Yeah, it's it's definitely that's something like that happens in a lot of like animated shows. Mm -hmm. even just shows in general um i but like i don't like to think of her like as that and i kind of have like my own like headcanons and stuff of abigail because she didn't get like a whole lot of screen time
1: she didn't yeah how do you how do you think how do you feel about the way the show writes women because i mean it's not like i don't think it's overwhelmingly negative but also it's like they're not in the they're not in the show a lot and a lot of times it's not like the greatest depiction which even though girlfriend clock is an amazing episode it it does kind of lean into that we're like rebecca has like no positive qualities
0: oh for sure um i just it's also like the fact that there's like no women and like the women that we do have are often like crazy or they're just like meant for like romantic interest yeah which sucks yes but like i i don't think like like, women representation is not something we necessarily need in, like, Metalocalypse. Like, it yeah. would be great. It would be great. It would be great if, like, Abigail was, like, developed outside of just being a romantic interest. Yeah. But, like, I don't know. It's a song about, like. sorry, it's a show about, like, these dumb metal boys. Yeah. Like, I, I think it would make sense that like, the only women that you do see is, like, romantic interests
1: or just, like, one-off it, characters. It's kind of, like, from their point of view, too.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: I, I kind of think that's another thing about the Venture Brothers. Like, um, Sheila is kind of like one of the only female characters. Um, which I am another reason I'm very excited for the Venture Brothers movie is because like this is the finale and we're introducing two major female characters. They're gonna be like like part of this huge series finale is very like male-dominated show. So I'm very interested to see like what that's like for the Venture Brothers movie with like Manty like the woman Mantilla or Mantia, mm-hmm. like the woman who's like the like, the head of, like, this Arch thing, and then also, like, Bobby St. Simone, just gonna be like yeah. our- Jane Lynch. Um, I have noticed, ever since they announced Bobby St. Simone in the Venture Brothers movie, that, like, she shows up in, like, every other animated show. Like, <laughs> she does so much fucking voice work. It's insane.
0: That's amazing.
1: But, um, see, so yeah, I'm going over looking over my notes. I do love Girlfriend Clock so much. Um, I love the, I love the finale I think the finale with um like they kill the church guy and he says like the metal eclipse has begun and then like you see the shots of the intro is them like standing around his corpse. Yeah. Um, it's crazy. <laughs> it's such a great finale. I do think it's probably the weakest finale out of all the show's finale like season finales, just because it's the season one. Cause yeah. like Season 2 blows me the fuck away. Um I think the galaxy from season 3 finale where they played like that song in Israel and Palestine. No, it's Syria and something. I don't know. It's like um it's like that the song they played and that's a scene the galaxy is like probably my favorite like non doomstar death clock song. Mm-hmm um and then also the season four finale is just so good and also Doomstar requiem which is kind of like the other season four finale is so good so this is like this is probably my least favorite finale just by default but it's also so good and i also want to talk about how insane the adult swim lineup is around this time because this this show airs from like august to december 2006 and it's 20 episodes um something that fucking unheard of nowadays like no show gets 20 episodes on Adult Swim like right the last show that did that was like Mike Tyson Mysteries in like the um mid to late 2010s but um so the show like airs 20 episodes straight through and it's airing alongside like some of like my the best like most defining television in the world for me it's like it's airing alongside like season two of Venture Brothers um, like season two of Moral Oral, season two of 12 Ounce Mouse, like season one or two of Squidbillies. I don't like Squidbillies. I don't like Squidbillies that much, but the season one or two of Squidbillies. Like season four of Aquatine, and also other stuff like Robot Chicken, Tom Goes to the Mayor. Um, Like I'm pretty sure Family Guy's background then, so it's airing alongside like season four Family Guy. Like it's just the like Adult Swim because there's like a lot of great videos that show like um that show like, just promos for, like, a certain night of Adult Swim during, like, season one of Metal- Metalocalypse airing, and Adult Swim is airing, like, also season one of Frisky Dingo. I don't know if I said that or not. Frisky Dingo is, like, one, one of my favorite shows, um, but, like, season one of Metalocalypse is airing alongside, like, eight other new things in, like, the same night, and, like, half of those are, like, some of my favorite TV in the world, you know?
0: Right. Like, so, I, I was born in the wrong generation. Yeah, I,
1: like, <laughs> It's such, it's so, def- like, it's, I feel like, um, because I'm also, there's a lot of, like, Adult Swim, like, boomers, I think, that are like, oh, Adult Swim, stop being good after this, this, and this. I am not that because I feel like I love ev- I love every single iteration of Adult Swim and I love every single generation of Adult Swim but I feel like this specific time period like summer to fall 2006 is so definitive in setting up what the network is going to be for the next like 20 years because even now like they're still like they're making 5 new Aquatine episodes and like later this summer they're releasing a Metalocalypse and Venture Brothers movie like like the stuff they're doing back then is they're still like there's still more of it coming out like today, you know? Yeah. It's just, I love the show. I think this, even this conversation has helped me like appreciate the show a lot more. I feel like (laughs) the show is something that gets better every time I rewatch it, you know? Oh, for sure. Um,
0: Season three is my favorite season. I don't know. I think like the 22 minute timestamp, like the time instead of like the 11 minute works so much better. Brendan disagrees with me. He hates the 22 minute. He says he's like, he would never go back to it, but like- Uh I love season three. I've probably seen that every single episode in season three so many times. Such a masterpiece.
1: <laughs> I know. I know a lot of fans don't like that season, but um, I love it. I love that each band member gets an episode that season that gets really deep into them too, which I really love. Yes, I love, I love that first episode. I, I just there's so much in season three that I fucking love. I love that first episode with um the like them not having Charles around. I love the finale when they're just like Charles's like kids um there's just so much i feel like the show also gets so much deeper into its lore as it goes on because Mm -hmm. obviously like one thing we need to really touch on is the lore which we'll do real quick before we sign off but the lore is like um they're like this band foretold in an ancient prophecy that's going to like um i first you think they're going to kill like destroy the world in apocalypse of metal but now it really seems like they're going to save the world from an apocalypse of metal and, like, Salacia is, like, Mark Hamill. He's, like, the half-man. And I'm assuming we'll find that way more about him in the movie. You kind of get more and more as the series goes on. But um, Salacia is, like, this guy who runs the council. He's monitoring Death Clock, but he won't move on them. And he won't let anybody else move on them for a while. Because um, some fucked-up reason. Um, how how often... How often do you, have you, like, really, like, gotten deep into, like, Galacticon? Like, have you, like... Because I've read like pages upon pages of like analysis about it. Have you ever, Have you done like that kind of stuff with it?
0: I have not. I've actually, I've listened to Galacticon 1 like several times. Like I know uh-huh. that one's not connected to like Death Clock at all. Yeah. And I have probably only ever listened to, Death, to Galacticon 2 like maybe like once through in like its entirety. And I've listened to like I think it's called like, Highway 666 or something, like, maybe a few times. I think
1: Icarus 666. It's
0: so, something about yeah. 666, yes. Yeah. Um, but I really, I haven't listened to Galacticon 2, like, all that much,
1: <laughs> to be honest. There's, um because I feel like the the song, the big one that has, like, the most clear plot stuff is called Exodus. It's the one where they drown Murderface. But um, when it starts coming together, it really starts coming together. Like, they're talking about... um like because i feel like they're talking about in the song like Murderface being possessed by salacia and one of the characters i think it's pickles based on how like the just it sounds says um you gotta believe me it should have taken the man in green he wanted it to be be his end but it drowned the beast out and that to me sounds like salacia possessed crozier and crozier like tried to drown himself to like just kill himself but then it ended up um just like it was ended up like getting Salacia out of him and I feel like that's going to be a scene you see in the movie like I could do this whole podcast on Galacticon 2 just (laughs) because I'm obsessed I am with it but um yeah um we're getting another one of those like 10 minute warning things from zoom this fucking horrible app um (laughs) do you have anything else you want to say about Metalocalypse season one before we kind of wrap this up
0: I do it's not specifically about season one but it's more about Death Clock as the band themselves yeah so I don't know a lot of people may not know this but Death Clock does do tours and they do Live shows, um, they've done a few different tours, actually,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, and when they're like you're thinking like, oh my God, it's a virtual band. How the hell do they do like performances um so they have like a just like, a big screen like behind them, it's Brendan on stage like on a micron doing guitar and all this stuff,
1: yeah, and
0: then like band members and stuff, but they're all like in shadow, like they're all it's all supposed to be like they're not there on stage and you're supposed to be focusing on what's happening in the background because like you're at a death clock show, you're not at a Brendan yeah. small show, <laughs> yeah. Um, and then uh, they're, they're doing like their first tour since 2014. Uh, this coming this coming fall called baby clock oh. where they're touring with baby metal. Uh-huh. um I have VIP tickets tickets to go to that. I'm very really right? excited. Yes, I am going to meet Brendan.
1: That's awesome.
0: I don't my brain's gonna explode. I know it will. <laughs>
1: uh-huh.
0: Oh, yeah, I just wanted to talk about their live stuff.
1: <laughs> you could, There's so much you, you could get into with this show, could get into, like, the music. Um, I think for the promo at the top of this episode, because, like, I watched, like, 10 minutes worth of Metalocalypse promos on YouTube before we signed on. And almost all of them have no dialogue. And so, which is good, but I want to get something with, like, more dialogue heavy, because that's what my promos normally are for the top of this episode. So I think I'm going to get, like, the one for Death Album 1, because that is mostly just season one songs, right?
0: Yes, it's all season one songs on there.
1: Cool. Um I have Death Album One. I only have it on um I don't have the Deluxe. I have the regular, but I do have the deluxe of Death Album Two and Three. And yeah, I don't have the Doomstar. I only have the Doomstar CD from like the um Australia set, but that doesn't really like actually play in anything, so uh, I don't think. Um but yeah, so that's Metalocalypse season one. I whoop. I'll probably have you on to talk about like the other three seasons and the movie when that comes out because you like it's so easy to just talk about this show. Like there's so much like I feel like we talked for like an hour and a half, and I feel like we barely scratched the surface. Yeah, know? oh for sure. Like I don't-, I don't know how I'm gonna do the Venture Brothers on this show. <laughs> um but yeah, so that's Metal clip season one. Um you can follow the podcast on Twitter at owls only pod. You can follow um, our Instagram at Adult Swim Merch Archive. I post like a bunch of um, this Adult Swim shit that I get. Um, I don't really have too much Metalocalypse merch because a lot of it's really expensive, but it's kind of like the DVDs and CDs. But maybe I'll get more for the movie. Maybe more will come out. Who knows? Um, do you want to plug anything or no?
0: Yes. Um, so my Twitter is at Sorry I'm rissy. Sorry I'm R-I-S-S-I. <laughs> um, my Instagram is the same at if you want to follow me there as well. And unlike unlike Bryce I have a bunch of metal Lock lip stuff and I mean I sometimes consider like making an Instagram just dedicated to the amount of shit that I have because I have spent so much money
1: <laughs> I might um I've actually thought about outsourcing posts to like my friends and stuff because I know like one of my friends has like an insane amount of as seen on it all swim stuff that I don't have so I may start like because like my um the way that i spend money is not sustainable and i'm gonna have to move out eventually and not buy as much adult swim shit and so when i do that i may start like outsourcing posts to like friends just so it could because like right now it's more of like this is my adult swim merch archive but i feel like in the future i may pivot to it being like a general adult swim merch archive so like things that i don't have that like other people send me pictures of you know yeah maybe get more metal stuff through there on that I um, have
0: like, I have like 10 t-shirts.
1: <laughs> I love that. That's so awesome. Um, But yeah, so that's it. If, I don't know what we're doing, what I'm doing next week on the show. I feel like um, there's, my tentative plan is to do, um, I'm recording, I'm tentatively, I don't know if it's going to happen, recording Eric Andre season one and Teenage Youth and season one with Alex. And then we are doing a double feature of, Batman Mask of the Phantasm, the first and best animated Batman movie, and then Tommy Wiseau's The Room, because we both are going to be in theaters, like, back to back, and so we're seeing those, and then we're going to talk about both of them on the same episode of the podcast, so that's going to be really fun, so that's kind of, like, what the next month or so of the podcast is going to look like, um, obviously, I'm going to have to talk about the Venture Brothers movie, and I feel like I'll probably have you back on for that one, because, um, because I don't know anybody else who could talk about Venture Brothers (laughs) as Like, for as long as that, as long as I can, besides you. I f-
0: I feel like every single time we have a conversation and, like, DMs, it always pivots back to Venture.
1: Yes. Always. <laughs> always. Because, like, that's just, that's just what every, con- if, like, if there are no societal or social rules, that's what every conversation with me would just pivot around back to. <laughs> it would just pivot around back to the Venture Brothers. Like, I, my friends get so annoyed with me when I'm watching TV, because I'm just like, this is just the Venture Brothers. Because, like, all TV <laughs> is just the Venture Brothers. Like, like the boys, Invincible. Like it's all it's all just the Venture Brothers, you know? Yeah. What we do in the shadows, just the Venture Brothers, but for horror. Like it's just <laughs> so much of TV is just the Venture Brothers. But um yes, yeah, so that's for the episode. See ya.
0: See ya.